0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Average Fleet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today I've, I'm joined by Matt Jones,
1: or Matt Jones Nutrition. Um, so, Matt, how are you doing? How's your day been? You well? Excellent, thanks, Chris. Yeah, enjoying some, uh, some de- deserved downtime in the, in the off-season, which is uh, quite rare, but no, it's nice. Excellent. You? So, I clearly know who you are, but for the listeners who may not
0: could you just give a really brief uh, overview into who is matter nutrition,
1: what you do, who do you work with? Uh, that'd be absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, sports nutritionist, uh, currently working with West Ham United as a, a consultant, head of nutrition there. Uh, consulting also with uh, the Chelsea women's team um, and the uh, Scotland national team as well the men's Scotland national team so uh, over the last 10 years I've primarily worked in football uh, across various countries from here in the UK Brazil uh, Middle East um, and Asia as well uh, and, and North America college college sport um, so yeah a bit of a bit of a whirlwind 10 years but um, nice to be back in the UK and, and settle down with family here now. Incredible. So you are very much all in with football uh, and that's exactly why I've got you on
0: the podcast today because you are the man in the know. Um, So basically what I'd love to do today is just discuss on how we can really build and develop a pro footballers nutrition plan to support performance, recovery, body composition, not just performance in the training week but also on match day and so on. And uh, we really good to get a nice insight of how you work with your guys in West Ham or Scotland or Chelsea Women uh, to see what you do. And uh, for the listeners uh, tuning in today, they can just extract some information, some insight and some principles to to take away. Um, So to kick off, I'd just like to kind of set the scene. So what do you feel are the main nutrition demands for a pro footballer?
1: Yeah well I guess the obvious answer there is it depends really it obviously depends on on the level of competition uh training status uh like the gender of of the uh of the individual um the the level of of competition as well um so that yeah it, there's there's a huge uh, array of different contextual factors uh also like the, the contextual factors within the game itself so position uh Place in the league, social uh, elements the, within the squad itself, and all the demands on on players for sure. But generally, obviously, football is a, an intermittent sport. Ninety uh, percent of the actions uh, within a football game are moderate to low intensity. Uh, there's roughly 150 to 250 brief, in, intense actions, and and they're the actions that really dictate the outcome of the game. So. Uh, If you think a game has won or lost as a result of an intense, powerful action, like a shot or a a save or a keeper diving for a save, for instance. So those intense actions are are critical and they're the ones that uh, dictate the outcomes of games, really. Um, So those intense actions can include things like sprinting, tackling, changing direction, jumping. Um, And outfield players will obviously change direction quite frequently uh interesting anecdote here so i uh, grew up playing football uh but then stopped for the last i don't know 5 years or so uh and then went back to five asides, um just last year and my groin's have never been in a worse mess after that five, first five a side game uh, and that just goes to to show that like the, the forces involved with change of direction and and then when you think that the average or oh, sorry the, the elite level player will probably like go like 1200 to 1500 change of directions in a game and they're all like maximal intensity. Uh it's pretty pretty impressive to be honest. Um so those eccentric forces are, are something we'll probably talk about a little bit later on and uh and then yeah so 85% heart rate max 70% VO2 max uh, so they have to be aerobically good uh, and well conditioned. Um obviously a goalkeeper will be considerably different to that. Um, and I, as I mentioned, the, the, those contextual factors are are very are very important. Um, so you'll often see stats on uh, like Sky Sports or, or BT Sports, whichever one you watch, about like running distances and things like that. And and for me, that's probably more to do with the the, the player's mentality and desire to run than any like physical component, really. Because um, I've worked in, in at clubs where. You, we have like incredibly fit players, but they, they just don't run because there's no desire to run for the team or run for the manager. Um, so obviously there's, there's that kind of argument or discussion in, in sports science, which is the most important, psychology or or nutrition or whatever. And, and in many cases, I think uh, in those circumstances, I think psychology is, is very, very important. Um, so yeah, looking at like positional differences, like central midfielders and wide midfielders cover typically the most distance um, and and the most distance at high speeds as well. Uh, I guess the interesting thing over the last five, 10 years is uh, those distance covered and and, uh, high intensity distance metrics are are increasing year on year. I think there's been like a 2% increase in the last five years and, and that's going to continue to increase. So the game is getting faster, much, much faster. um, And Coaches, the modern coaches now demanding much, much more of of their players. Like they're, they're adopting like different tactical and technical styles, like the high press, for instance. Uh, there's not many play or not many clubs in the in the Premier League now that will adopt like a low block, which is basically just defending very deep for ninety minutes. Uh, there's there's certainly not many in the in the league now. Like at West Ham, for instance, we have uh, like a counter attacking like style of play, if you like. So we'll defend pretty deep, but then we'll counter really quick. So like speed, explosive uh, speed in the transition is, is really important characteristic for our, for our team and our players. Um, so yeah, I mean, thinking about the, the physical demands of the game, it's it, it's all well and good knowing what the research says, but I think the most important thing is understanding your environment and your players uh, and your style of play um, and then adopting or, or utilizing that information to shape Uh, the club's nutrition philosophy really um so yeah they're they're, they're, the the physical demands and obviously that leads into the nutrition requirements then uh so like the energy requirements of a typical footballer daily probably around 2,900 to 3,500 calories perhaps and if you compare that to like endurance athletes that's that's probably not much at all and uh one of the interesting things is that most elite footballers are relatively sedentary outside of that one to two hours of training each day. Uh, There's actually been some some research done on the the physical activity levels of of elite level footballers. And as I say, away from football in the evening, the afternoons, they tend to just sit on the sofa and play PlayStation. Uh, So their energy expenditure, like non-exercise activity energy expenditure is pretty pretty low, to be honest. And then, yes, most, uh, obviously the the demands of the game will uh, dictate a a slightly higher carbohydrate intake, um, around 60% of the the diet, perhaps from carbohydrate or 60% of the energy from carbohydrate. Uh, obviously muscle glycogen is incredibly important to a footballer. So muscle glycogen, like the, the easy way to understand or explain muscle glycogen is like a small petrol tank in the muscle. Uh, it's like, I think technically it's more like a tree, but if you imagine it like a, a petrol tank uh, and that when you eat carbohydrate, the petrol tank fills up. Uh, when you do any explosive or powerful action over an extended period of time, that, that petrol tank drops. Um, and obviously the, there's a certain like threshold where when the red light goes on, if you like, um, and then fatigue happens um, and your, your ability to to repeat those intense actions is is basically gone completely. So um, obviously, ma- making sure that, uh, that the players are consuming sufficient carbohydrate to, to maintain um, optimal glycogen stores, uh, whatever that might be. And obviously, we're, we we don't often have the, the ability to biopsy players, uh, but there is um, some, some research that we can use um, in that space. So, yeah, I guess that's uh, a bit of a whirlwind tour. So it's, it's an intermittent sport very intense the intensities increase in year on year um and it's very glycolytic
0: cool amazing that was like a 10 minute debrief of uh physical defense of football <laughs> absolutely <laughs> incredible so there's a, a ton to uh, unpack from that so it was a really cool thing i picked out from you mentioned that's about 150 200 intense actions per game that really dictates the i guess the outcome of a game so it's a case now of everything we're doing is almost preparing them for those for those key moments because you know either side of those intense actions they kind of just chill the kind of move around the field and, and stuff like that which is absolutely cool um and obviously with huge of change of directions like up to 1500 um sort of like movements like that's on the ball off the ball um and then obviously have that ties into overall like carbohydrate availability just make sure they got enough in the tank so they can repeat those intense actions in the 85th minute 90th minute as they could do in the first 10 minutes or so so that is absolutely cool and really interesting to know that the demand of the game is increasing every single year so from your like experience in the last kind of 10 years working in football um also now the game's demand is increasing do you feel that the nutrition support or nutrition kind of compliance is going with that as well? Are the footballers kind of seeing the extra need of that now? Um, or is it perhaps Labour still old school, with perhaps Labour kind of of an unforgotten uh, kind of aspect of the overall performance um, toolbox, shall we say?
1: Yeah, well, I I, th- I I would honestly say that the the culture uh, within football has completely changed in the last 10 years uh, nutrition is high on the agenda within every club now um, it's a topic that's talked about in the changing rooms in the manager's office uh, it's, it's talked about everywhere um, in, in the media as well um, and, and players certainly now value the importance of nutrition um, it's the nutritionist is no longer seen as the person that's going to come in and make the fat people less fat um he's now seen as a a key part of the the team that can actually enhance performance and and support the recovery process and the adaptive adaptive processes after training and uh, during the season itself um so yeah the culture has completely changed uh, and, and also the conversations have completely changed uh all the conversations i was having in the when i was back in like 20 22 years old they were all like joking you know like half joking saying oh should i eat this like cheeseburger or like what can't i eat well now players are coming to me at the age of like 19 18 19 saying like how do i optimize my pre-match meal uh, what what do i what kind of what gel can i consume at half time to, to make me run faster um so I, i've noticed huge shifts I, I don't know about yourself
0: yeah absolutely and as you say because the game is just getting harder and harder and more intense it's like right they're looking now are different strategies within the kind of toolbox to meet those demands a little bit better. Um, so, based on these like inc- ever increasing demands, do we feel like now players are meeting these demands correctly through their nutrition? Are they getting enough carbohydrates in, and and so on? And if not, what do we feel like the
1: main challenges
0: from preventing them in doing so?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, if, if again, if you look at the research and if if I look at my applied practice, I think male footballers are typically pretty good at meeting daily calorie requirements or daily energy requirements. So they're they able to maintain energy balance across the season. Uh, so they're, they're consuming sufficient calories generally. Uh, but I think the, the challenge that they have uh, or the, the issues that they have is the, the type of calories they're consuming and, and also the distribution of those macronutrients across the day. Uh, i think that's the they're the two components that they they struggle with um so i think because they do require more carbohydrate than like the the traditional diet i think uh they'll typically fail to to meet those like higher intakes of carbohydrate um so I, i mean i think the uh the average carbohydrate intake will be something around like four four grams per kilogram uh in in our squad um sometimes five and obviously if you compare that to like the gold standard research it should be like five maybe six uh, maybe even higher in some players um especially in in the in the lead up to games and things uh but if we're just talking about a, a typical typical training day uh, i think most will will struggle to consume um that amount of carbohydrate and most of their meals will be very like dominated by protein and, and then fat as well um, so that's obviously something that we, we continue to, to encourage, uh, those like slight changes and, and whether that be, uh, like the factors that influence that I think there's, there's a number of different factors, really obviously education perhaps. Um, although I think education is less of a concern now, because if you look at like every premier league club, they have a very talented sports nutritionist working with them. Uh, and, and that's not just level one. We're also talking about like championship clubs and, and league one clubs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think education is less of an issue now, um, logistics, maybe, um, logistic or access to, to food, uh, that could be a, a problem. And I think it's like social factors, like, like the media, um, like media messages around carbohydrate, like demonizing carbohydrate. Um, you can't discount the influence of wives and girlfriends who are also following like low carb diets, uh, at home. Um, So it might be that they go home and then they don't consume any carbohydrate because their wife or girlfriend is cooking for them. And, and there, there's some like model runway model and uh, they, they just have never consumed carbohydrate for the last six years or 10 years. So I think there's certainly social factors as well involved there. Um, Yeah. So I think there are a number of different factors that uh, like feed into that, that issue. Uh, But I think that, yeah, the biggest issue is the, the uh, the distribution of the macronutrients across uh, across that energy requirement, uh, sorry, the the yeah the the macronutrient intake um, and then the distribution across the day. I think it's very much skewed towards the evening. Um, I, I would typically find players will come in and have a a relatively small breakfast um, because they'll often come in quite late. To be honest, and that's a that's a lifestyle issue. Um, so that if they were to report or if the report time is 10 a.m., they'll probably report for like 9.45. And then training is probably an hour after that. So they don't really want to eat a, a huge breakfast. Um so again, like there's some logistics there, perhaps like organizational things that we need to address with with coaches and, and members of the staff. Um yeah, so a breakfast is typically quite a light meal and then lunch it gets a little bit bigger and then the evening meal they, they tend to have is as the the biggest meal if you like um so i, I think that distribution can certainly be improved um but yeah i guess they're the, the major challenges that i see
0: yeah yeah but very very cool so overall like players are pretty much at energy balance across the course of the season which is absolutely cool um, how we kind of measure that? Do you have like a proxy of that? Is it just changes in body composition, skin folds, like skin folds going up, down, staying the same? That can indicate
1: where your calorie balance is. Absolutely. Yeah. So proxy measure, as you say, body composition, body mass as well, their ability to maintain body mass across the course of a season. Uh yeah, that they're pretty much the, the measure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. And it's interesting you mentioned there around perhaps the potential whether it's like carb phobia or whether it's like the eating environment at home or the social environment at home, um, dictating the macronutrient composition. And it perhaps might be a little bit of a hardwired issue of my skin falls in a good position. I, you know, I've got abs, I'm lean. It's like I don't have to worry too much about the nutrition side of things, but they're perhaps yeah. forgetting about okay, if you just focus on within day periodization a little bit better, just buy some more carbs in the morning um you know things uh all things performance and recovery may just go to another level and yeah. from my experience like yeah with that kind of later kind of start they might come in just grab a quick omelet maybe a slice of toast and then they're into a really hard session you know it's like there's 25 grams of carbs in there at most you know <laughs> you need quite a bit in there for sure yeah. uh, so it's really really interesting i mentioned that so i imagine there's going to be a player at least listen to this kind of nodding their head like yeah, I, I do that. I do that. So for that player or players, what kind of advice would you give to them in terms of how to sort of correct that issue to get better within day periodization of carbohydrates to again, improve performance, energy
1: levels, mental focus, recovery, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that we try and instill within all of our players is this like idea of basic behaviors. So it's like developing the performance lifestyle. So waking up the first priority each and every day for, for our players at least is rehydrating. So consuming at least five, 600 milliliters, which is like one average bottle of water. Uh, as soon as they wake up, uh, we have this little joke that if you can consume it before your big toe hits planet earth in the morning, then then perfect. Um, so yeah, so wake up, rehydrate. That's the first basic behavior uh, and then fuel training. So when when obviously we encourage fueling training, that obviously puts a greater emphasis on that carbohydrate component. Um, so the breakfasts uh, could look uh, again, we're talking about an average footballer. so the energy requirement may be like around three thousand four hundred calories, for instance. So uh, a, a breakfast to fuel training could like be a, a a bowl of porridge with some berries and some honey, perhaps like a medium bowl of porridge. Uh, and then some like some eggs and uh, a piece of toast and and half an avocado. Um, there might be around 20, 30 grams of fat in that meal. So they probably want to wake up a little bit earlier to to consume that. They, they certainly don't want to report late and then have that sloshing around in their stomach. Um, so that's another part of that performance lifestyle. It's just making sure that you you report at, at a decent time um, and then uh, yeah consume breakfast at a good time. Uh, and then during training itself, uh, if training exceeds 70, 80, 90 minutes, then we start to encourage additional carbohydrates within that session as well. Um, but without, without, well, if if the session doesn't exceed that, then obviously we we'll just rely on water. And uh, if if the temperature is well, if they, depending on climatic factors, then obviously electrolytes as well, perhaps. Um, and then afterwards, uh, the emphasis will then shift to to recovery and refueling after that after that session. Uh, so that, again, that could be like a bowl of soup and a bread roll. Uh, some rice, like 50% of the plate could be rice, perhaps, and then some uh, a lean protein source uh and vegetables. Um, another way of like easy, easily adding uh carb- carbohydrate is fruit juice or a green smoothie, or like a I, I notice nowadays that fruit juice is, it doesn't tend to go down so well. Uh players uh, they, they yeah they're very conscious of like additional sugars and things now. So um, if it's green, perfect. It's exactly the same uh, like sugar content, but it's green, so it looks healthier. Um, so players are more likely to adhere to it, which is great. Uh, and then uh, as the day progresses, uh, we tend to encourage uh, slower carbohydrates. So fast carbohydrates would be things that like high glycemic carbohydrates, if you like, um, and then towards the end of the day, we will try and encourage more of the slower carbohydrates. Uh, so like potatoes, quinoa, uh, whole grain rices, whole grains, um, those kind of things. Uh, mid-afternoon could be like rice cakes uh, with some almond butter and banana and things like that, or some nuts and fruit. Uh, and then the evening meal uh, could be like sweet potato with sea bass and some, a large serving of uh, of vegetables. Uh, and then pre, pre-bed pre protein so supporting that overnight growth and repair process um, and that could be anything from a, a simple protein shake with milk um, and creatine we will often encourage them to put their, their creatine in there as well um, or it could be some uh, a lot of them like to make these like yogurt pots so they're like whey protein stirred into greek yogurt um, and yeah that, that's uh, another 40 50 grams of protein sometimes in that um so that's on a typical training day. That's probably what we would like to to encourage. So again, it's just the the re- repetition of those boring basic behaviors. Um, and uh, yeah, as with most things, uh, well, as with most things in nutrition, anyway, consistency is the most important part. So if they can just get into that cycle of being re- repetitive throughout the the season, wake up, rehydrate, fuel training, recover, and then slow fuel slower. Fuels with uh, an emphasis on protein and and boost foods in the evening. Um, that's pretty much how how we would shape the day. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So a larger sort of bias
0: of high glycemic carbohydrates in the mornings, just kind of sandwiching the training session, and then just sort of like tapering off in the evening, and just switching out to more lower glycemic fiber based carbohydrates and stuff, and then a nice even distribution of protein throughout the day with overall high quality foods um really but yeah. the key thing there it's just consistency and you see so many athletes not just like footballers but all all athletes like rather they're, either, they're all on it they're off it they're on it they're off it and just getting that consistency is, is absolutely key like if you look at the i guess the maths of it like if you're on it for 50 percent of the year off it for 50 percent it's like you know what we you can't expect to be 100 kind of results can you
1: yeah, um, absolutely. And I think like with that like repetition of basic behaviors, I think one of the big issues that players will often run into is is not eating regularly enough. Um, because their appetite will then become uncontrollable. they might go like hypoglycemic when they're playing the PlayStation. It's like five PM and they've not eaten anything since like 12:30, and their blood sugar is like rock bottom and then obviously adrenaline cortisol glucagon goes out of control and then they just grab a bag of sweets and then that kick starts like this process of like really bad decisions for the whole evening um and so just making sure that they're eating regularly uh, i think that's uh, a, a really important thing as well yeah absolutely not like the same medicine with everything
0: like prevention is always the best cure is like, right, we don't necessarily have to tackle the evening directly. It's like what we do in the day leading up to that is probably going to be just as important as yeah. the environmental stuff we kind of work on at night. So that's absolutely key. Uh, one thing the things that you mentioned there is surrounding the kind of morning uh, field sessions, like if it goes beyond maybe 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes, you start introducing some form of carbohydrates. Is there a very much personal preference of how much carbohydrates they have, what sources of the carbohydrates they have, or is it a case like, right, have this, crack on um how do you typically approach that once you kind of get
1: above that kind of 60 cent ish kind of minute threshold yeah i guess it, it really depends on uh like personal preference but most players would uh, prefer to consume a drink so a drink containing maybe 30 grams of of carbohydrates so a, tr- a traditional sports drink if you like uh, like a similar composition to like lucozade um they'd probably consume that during during the session uh there's very few occasions, really, where players would then also ask for like a gel or or some gummies or some or a banana or something like that. And if you know that happens, then they're working very very hard, um, or they've made some really bad decisions the day before.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like, always see, like, say, say, for example, in wasps or something like that. If the boys haven't quite got their morning, their breakfast kind of um sort of locked in and dialed in if they've slept late or something hasn't quite gone the plan, they're dipping into the supplements covered, grabbing some caffeine and stuff. It's like right, that's just highlighting a deficit somewhere in your nutrition eating and, and lifestyle of the yeah. last kind of 24 hours. So that sometimes is quite nice that happens because it just opens up that conversation. It's
1: like, right, really? what's yeah. going on?
0: Yeah, um
1: flags, red flags. It's nice to when they pop up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah absolutely so no that, that that's that's really cool
0: um yeah really really like uh that, that side of things so as we kind of look at the whole trend week uh with you at west ham do you typically have like your harder trainer days your lighter trainer days or is it very similar uh trend demand on a daily basis so you've got, you've got like a trend day and rest day or high trend day medium day low trend day and so on and if you do how do you how does that
1: daily kind of blueprint change uh if so yeah so so training is certainly periodized. we have like a a traditional british model with the i'm not sure if it's the british model but i I think it is it's like the the four-day build-up to a game or sometimes three-day build-up to a game so you'll have the the high hard session four day like match day minus four and then gradually it will taper down to more of like a technical focus if you like um so that that match day minus four or match day minus three sometimes that's typically the overload day um and that's obviously where demands on carbohydrate and uh and calories as well are gonna increase quite significantly um the last season to be honest, there was not that many occasions where we had it because obviously competing in europe we didn't have that many occasions to uh to, to put in those overload sessions um but yeah they they definitely happen and then you you obviously have to periodize uh periodize the, the nutrition programs as well and, and make sure that players are aware of the the alterations that are required um and obviously for, going back to that like typical training day the the easy alteration for them to make is just increase carbohydrate in the later meals as well um so rather than having like smaller quantities of slower fuels uh we're just tr- like probably just encouraging larger quantities of m- m- slightly faster fuels in those evening meals as well. Um, so it, that's just going to increase their carbohydrate intake by 100 grams perhaps per day. Um, and then that's just going to go back to that refueling or refilling up that petrol tank or glycogen tank
0: (laughs) yeah yeah nice nice so it's almost like the blueprint for the whole train week stays stays relatively similar which is either putting in more carbohydrates or less carbohydrates based on what they got to fuel and i like the fact that you put carbohydrates in at the evening because that's probably where food focus is probably going to be at its highest and if they're already hopefully having a lot of carbohydrates surrounding the sessions in the morning sometimes putting more carbohydrates in there is going to make them feel really bloated heavy sluggish and not good in themselves and that perhaps affect their will buy into eating well and fueling properly and stuff yeah. so yeah absolutely key um so moving from the train week on to match day so if we kind of really uh zoom in on match day minus one match day and then match day plus one uh what is your typical approach and philosophy surrounding this i know that you uh really value your approach and it sounds absolutely incredible so we look i'd just love to kind of unpackage that uh, a little bit
1: yeah. I, this is getting quite repetitive and boring, this podcast, because I'm talking about carbohydrate all the time. But Yeah, again, I know. The, the more we could talk about carbs <laughs> and just hammer that because they're not getting the message, so we yeah. we got to hammer so it so hard. In the build-up to car, uh, to game day, increasing those glycogen stores and, and ensuring that they're like topped up or full, if you like, the petrol tank is full is, uh, is, is crucial. Uh, I mean, research for the last 10, 20 years has shown that elevated glycogen stores has... Beneficial effects on all aspects of football performance, both technical, physical, uh, skill performance as well. So, again, the, the emphasis really is on those, uh, those, those carbohydrate rich foods. Um, so, just going back to that, like the, the basic behaviors, uh, waking up in the morning where they would typically have uh, water, we would just add a fruit juice uh, in that rehydration drink. So, encouraging them to have orange juice or or apple juice or something first thing in the morning on the on the drive into to the training, there's 20, 25 grams of additional carbohydrate. Um, And it's like then then a game, like how much extra carbohydrate can you add without like compromising gastrointestinal function and and stomach, like resulting in stomach issues really. Um, Exposing them to higher carbohydrate meals. So if we're like shaping the menu for for that day. Uh, it would be like Asian theme or Italian theme. Um, like sushi often goes down well with like stir-fried dishes um, or like pasta dishes. Um, they would always always be incorporated on that day. Um cereals, so the the pre-sleep protein is often kind of scrapped in uh, in place of like rice crispy cereal or like cornflakes. Or, or something of, of that kind, um, again, adding maybe 40, 50, 60 grams of carbohydrate. Um, and we will also use, uh, the, the SIS beta fuel gels, uh, on occasions as well, just to get in an, an additional 40 grams of carbohydrate and, um, and then the, the sports drinks are pretty much always, uh, added, uh, match day minus one, uh, for, for an additional, uh, additional, uh, carbohydrate boost. So yeah a boring tale of increasing carbohydrate intake quite dramatically really um and that kind of uh, to allow that to occur we will also reduce the fat content of of pretty much all meals um so they it basically forces them to to eat more carbohydrate so the 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 meals can be quite bland at times and and sometimes quite boring so the chefs have to get quite creative in like the tomato sauces that they put with dishes and uh, and those kind of things. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's pretty much it. And then going into game day, um, we uh, one one of the big things that grinds my gears in football is uh, th- this idea that on game day players will like sleep in and, and omit breakfast. So um, the schedule will often go if it's like a three o'clock kickoff, for instance, they'll just report for the pre-match meal, which will be like eleven eleven thirty, and they're allowed to just. Like extend sleep basically uh, until then, and that really frustrates me because if they repeat that over the course of over the course of the season, then uh, obviously we also know that their ability to like m- make up for those missed calories uh, or compensate for those missed calories at breakfast is, is not that great after a game, um, and that's obviously a, a really crucial time to maintain a positive energy balance, if not a negative energy. Oh, sorry, if not energy balance at least. Um, so we always try and encourage players to come down and and consume breakfast, uh, and that's not always, always possible. So we often deliver breakfast to them in their, in their rooms. So if they, if it's an away game, for instance, we'll have like a little breakfast pack available in, in their room. Um, and yeah, so that's going to have a a positive effect. So again, that, that breakfast will be carbohydrate rich. Um, lower in fiber, familiar foods. Uh, we always encourage uh, protein with the pre-match meal as well to optimize neurotransmitter synthesis. Um, so like the production of... Uh, like, Well, if you have like a high carbohydrate meal and you can obviously increase, uh, well, increase tryptophan in the blood and then tryptophan crosses blood-brain barrier and then increase in serotonin uh, make you feel quite lethargic at times with some some individuals especially. Um, so the, including some protein in there can sometimes offset that and, and optimize neurotransmitter synthesis. Um, and will also delay uh, the rate at which the, the carbohydrate is digested and absorbed. So um, that that can have positive effects as well. Um, yeah, r- really cool. Just before you get into match-specific
0: uh, stuff, a couple of questions. Um, one, in terms of match-to-minus-one, um, also you are... Putting in a lot of carbohydrates in it and a lot of sugar in there as well. For the carb phobic player, do they typically have issues or do they see the kind of importance of that day in our specific kind of context? Uh, and then, second one, then, is when you're looking at, say, general kind of amounts for like a, a player to aim for, what kind of numbers do you typically look for? And then, does that affect the different type of game the following day or the amount of minutes they expect to play? Or
1: what's the general kind of recommendation around that? yeah, we didn't really discuss that challenge of like dealing with a squad and only a, like a squad of 25 players perhaps and only 11 of them will actually play and, and only 10 of them will actually work hard enough to, to expend that amount of carbohydrate. Um So yeah, that, that's a, another another challenge in itself really. Um So going back to the the, the first part of the question, yeah, like context is key and, and I think players now really understand that um consuming... 600 grams of carbohydrate from whole grain pasta is not going to leave them feeling very well. Um, so like obviously trying to incorporate some more of those like faster fuels, if you're like lower glycemic index fuels, is going to uh, allow that energy to be digested a lot quicker and easier um, and make, make them feel like light. Um, pretty much every athlete or player that I've ever worked with says they want to feel light and when they when they start playing, and, and the reality is, none of them want to feel really full. Um, and so, obviously, you can modify fiber intake slightly in those forty eight hours before uh, before the game um, to, to allow that to happen, um, while also f- being fully fueled. So yeah. yeah, I think they they they're starting to understand that context. Like context is key in that in that scenario. I think you asked another question, but I forgot more.
0: Yeah. What kind of uh, targets do you typically aim for? Perhaps like grams per kilo. You mentioned like 600 grams there, but can we get more specific to the actual player?
1: Yeah. So around about eight, uh, six to eight grams per kilo, six for like a lazy center back, perhaps, um, <laughs> and up, upwards of eight to for like a central midfield player, um, eight grams per kilo. So I don't know, like, what's that? Six hundred and fifty grams, maybe something like that, um, which is a—that's a, a decent amount of carbohydrate, isn't it? You know, so it's a good uh, day of eating, yeah. Good day of eating. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's—that's that's another challenge for them, especially if they're having to do that like three times a week. Yeah, um, it, it can be, can be quite, quite challenging. But players now are, are actually very, very good at doing that. Um and that shows in in their ability to maintain performance across uh, across the season. Um, I mean, the last three years we've seen like a lot of our like central midfield players and the players that like complete or complete the most or cover the most distance at high speed, their their ability to maintain maintain that across the course of a season uh is is very good. Um and that kind of s- shows in their diet as well. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. We know that, as you mentioned
0: with glycogen stores, you kind of got that threshold before the red light kind of comes on. So just consume enough carbohydrates throughout the course of the day, the match and so on. It just keeps you above that red light from switching on, which which is absolutely key. So in terms of match day itself, then uh, you mentioned that breakfast is sometimes an issue and that's perhaps... A bit more of a cultural thing, perhaps just letting them just lie in and sleep in, which we all know how powerful and important sleep is for physical and mental performance. But, you know, it, there's going to be um, a time where we have to kind of put a little bit of a cut off there and actually, you know, make a breakfast a little bit more mandatory. But at the moment, with the kind of bags you take the hotel rooms, uh, what's typically in those kind
1: of uh, little bags? Carbohydrates, I imagine. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um... It really depends on their personal preferences. Like some some players will have like cereals and yogurts and fruit. Uh, some players will ask for a toaster and a bagel uh, with jam, and then other players will have like cereal bars and fruit juice. Um, so yeah, it, there's there's a mixed bag really. But I guess it, like fundamentally, if if you just look at the nutrients provided, it would be around like 60 grams of carbohydrate per per meal and. The vehicles with which we deliver that are quite different. Um, It could be cereal, bread, bars. There's a variety of different vehicles, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. And
0: a big uh, key important point you made there was that every player, pretty pretty much every single player does not want to feel heavy, bloated, sluggish, and Sleepy going into a match. So doing like pretty much all the heavy work with eating the day before just really offsets the kind of heightened kind of need to get loads of carbohydrates in before match. Because from experience, like a lot of players, whether it's you know, football, whether it's rugby or so on, they wouldn't carb load enough the day before. And then they cram in so much food in their pre-match meal because they need to fuel. And you know, it's all just sitting in the stomach, they feel so heavy. No bounciness, no spring in their step. And uh, essentially, they're, they're not playing uh, overly well. Yeah. So, I really like the point you made there as well in terms of the pre match meal, just not going so carb heavy. So, yes, we need carbohydrates, but putting some proteins, some amino acids in there to help like neurotransmitters and stuff like that. that that's really cool. And, you know, you definitely don't hear many nutritionists or teams kind of speaking about that. So, it's really cool that you kind of think that next extra
1: level, uh, w- which is class. Yeah. Like cognitive function is something that we don't often talk about from a nutrition perspective, but it's, it's so important, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. like you'll see player, well, you'll see teams that start slowly, but they are fueled really well. And that, that could be down to cognitive function, you know, like, like why are they starting so slowly that if, if you watch like teams in the warm up, you can see when they're on it, like they're fast, they're sharp. And then you, there's other occasions where they're, they're just not so um, yeah we, we certainly can't overlook uh, the importance of cognitive function and the role of nutrition within cognitive function as well
0: yeah absolutely and uh, the key thing you mentioned there as well adding protein in just slows down the release of those carbs a little bit as well maybe preventing that hyper- rebound hyperglycemia from happening and uh, everyone knows when they go on hyperglycemia they're in a bit of a whole and you know that does not correlate to optimal mental performance you know yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I guess one thing that we we also forgot to mention was nitrates Um, Yeah, so in the lead up to games, we'll always uh, try and encourage 800, 1,000 milligrams of nitrates per day. And and that's from both from supplemental forms. So like beetroot shots, beetroot juice, uh, nitrate shots, if you like, and then also uh, dietary sources. So beetroot cookies, beetroot brownies, spinach in sauces um spinach smoothies like various uh various sources of nitrates um and a pretty much meal amazing how, how well do the beetroot uh cookies and brownies go down they actually go down really well yeah amazing our, our mastered the recipe um he is a, a
0: very very good chef if he's mastered that be... yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> incredible yeah, i
1: mean i would say i'd share it but i'm not sure. asked to ask his permission no 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 it, it's cool we we can all uh experiment and play. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've tried them before and uh or oh, the ones I have tried making and uh, they just haven't really? worked.
1: They've, so, they've been soily. sorely um <laughs> this is not like uh in promoting any brand or anything, but it's um the the nitrate uh, the beat it sport powder. Have you have you used that one before? Yeah. Yeah. So uh I think he uses that rather than any other source of nitrate and it, it comes out quite well. That would make sense. There we are. We've, uh, everyone's going to be making beetroot
0: nitrate brownies going forward. Um, so with that, would you sort of uh, just have nitrates before game? Would you stick in the game day minus one, so like a bit of a nitrate load? Would you
1: just run it throughout the course of the week? How do you typically approach that? Uh, yeah, we would typically periodize it around the game. So two days before, one day, match the minus two, match the minus one, uh, which last season was pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and then also pre-match as well. Yeah,
0: cool. Yeah, that's one of the questions that's going to ask. If you have really congested fixtures two, three times uh, in the space of maybe like 10 days, it's always going into game day, match day minus one, match day, you know, always carb loading, always nitrate loading. And uh, yeah, just getting enough variety in there so it doesn't come overly monotonous is is going to be absolutely key. So moving into uh, the match itself. So if I walk into West Ham's change rooms, what do i see on the tables what's it look like and what do their players typically kind of go for
1: what do you recommend yeah so uh again it, it boils down to personal preference really but there'll be a, a variety of different products available um the for the starting 11 like the the fast fuels if you like so the jars the gummies the, the drinks uh they'll be in their in their space with an individual like fueling card it's like instructional guide on when to take them that kind of thing. Uh, And then the slower fuels will be kind of like buffet style open access on a table. Um, And there'll be like cereal bars, um, some additional bars, drinks, those kind of things. Um, And then there'll be like various caffeine sources as well. So caffeine gum is probably the, the favorite source of caffeine, but there's obviously a fancy coffee machine and uh, shot caffeine shots as well um, available. Uh, But it's very, individual and it's uh, like on game day we, we like to play around with things in pre-season and, and refine things and then it's just repetition of that throughout the course of the season um, and you won't often see like myself or any of the other staff going in uh, and talking to players about it uh, during the game because we essentially we just want them to focus on the game and, and ultimately Tactics and technical elements of the game are far more important than than gels and gummies at that stage. um Obviously, if if there is a, a case where we we are visibly seeing fatigue or any kind of nutrition related issue, then we'll go and intervene perhaps. But in most cases, they're very good at uh, adhering to match day recommendations.
0: Yeah, your job is pretty much done, isn't it? By the time we get to match day, like you're not going in there halftime educating the boys like right this is car factories oh, this is the okay. caffeine gun <laughs> you know it's like the bandwidth is so like confined to just really focus on the game and focus on the match itself and um yeah your job is a little bit redundant unless you kind of see those key things creeping out and uh, yeah. like one of those things that's overriding this podcast is how individual everyone needs to be everyone has their own personal preferences we have this kind of overall kind of principle of like carbohydrate availability and certain recommendations within that but then everything is so specific to the individual based on what they like how they feel after it and so on and that's all just kind of tried and tested throughout the season um and then when it's a when it comes to match day it's just lock and load like they know what works they're happy with it and they know how they're going to feel off it so mm-hmm. that, so that's absolutely key there's just no guesswork there uh, at all. Um, so when it comes to match day what kind of carbohydrate amounts do you generally recommend so say it's a 90-minute match like what would you generally recommend in terms of amount of carbohydrates to consume and then like I guess people like players who are listening to this then can start kind of
1: molding their own strategy based on those numbers so what do you typically aim for Uh, for outfield players we typically aim for 90 grams per game Uh, 45 grams in the pre-game pre-match period and then 45 grams at halftime uh so that's pretty much like one bottle of sports drink and uh, a gel, perhaps. Um, and that's repeated uh pre-match and then, and then again at half time. Um yeah, so that's pretty much uh the, the targets for the outfield players. Um and then targets for goalkeepers would be maybe 60 grams, so 30 grams pre-match, 30 grams at halftime yeah nice nice do you encourage them trying to get some full carbohydrates on in
0: the first or second half if there's like a small stoppage in play or do you kind of just say like right we're going to put everything
1: into pre-match and halftime and if there is an opportunity then we got that as a little bit of an extra exactly yeah so that that would just be a, an extra opportunity an, an additional opportunity and what we tend to find is players will m- maybe like use those breaks in play to sip on a sports drink. I don't know, that's like five grams of carbohydrate perhaps or have half a gel uh, or something, like 10 grams again, perhaps carbohydrate. So yeah, we certainly certainly need to take advantage of those break, like actual breaks in play uh, because we can't always rely on the being breaks in play during the game.
0: You got two guaranteed periods and opportunities to feed only, which is pretty much in halftime Then everything else is little bit of a bonus. So, yeah, cool. So, in terms of the post-match then, like, they've just done 90 minutes plus five or something like that. They're pretty tired. They're pretty depleted. They're dehydrated. They get back to the change rooms. What do you typically
1: have there to start initiate the recovery process? Yeah, uh, that, like, acute post-match period is probably the most challenging time of the entire week, really. Uh, There's obviously a number of factors that will influence uh, the players, adherence to any nutrition recommendation there the, the the outcome of a game a referee's decision their personal performance their activities after the game whether that be media whether that be them going out for a meal with family and friends rushing off uh, so it's, it's oftentimes difficult to, to like track that down but uh, we have the the five r philosophy um so the most people have the, the three R's. We just added two more just to be stupid. <laughs> uh, so the first one is refuel, carbohydrate, um, repair damaged muscle, protein, uh, re- rehydrate, uh, reduced inflammation and oxidative stress, uh, and then rest and relax with with family and friends. I guess the four, I wasn't sure what the fifth one is, but reduce, no, that, that,
0: that, that's cool. So in terms of hitting those five R's, holding up four fingers but i mean five um, um what does that typically look like how is that packaged packaged up is that kind of like smoothies is that kind of pick finger kind
1: of food how does yeah, look as a variety so phase one is a drink uh, so it's a, a carbohydrate rich drink the, the drink is probably i don't know like 60 50 grams of carbohydrate in in like a, a big bottle um the the flavor of that is determined by their personal preference because ultimately you want, we want them to drink it uh so um so yeah uh the, the flavors uh determined by their personal preference there will also be around seven or eight maybe 10 grams of creatine within that drink um so really like encouraging uh refueling at that stage really uh, and trying to restore some phosphocreatine as well. Uh, Because otherwise, that's pretty much the only drink we can now guarantee them consuming some creatine on that day. Uh, So that's why we'll go with the the, the slightly higher dose in that drink. Uh, And then after they take a shower, uh, get changed, then there'll be a variety of different whole foods available to them. Um, Again, our favorite favorite macronutrient carbohydrate will predominate. Um, Sushi goes down incredibly well. But then you'll also find things like pizza, uh, flatbreads, um, sandwiches, uh, some players like pasta, pasta dishes as well. Uh, So there's a whole host of different things like chicken skewers, salmon skewers, uh, fresh fruits, berries, cherries, pomegranate juice, cherry juice, um, pretty much everything to, to allow the players to hit those four R's. And then the fifth R is when they go, well, when, when they're at home and with their family and friends. That's Perfect.
0: Sleep, very nice. So you mentioned the phase one, It How long does that last? Is phase one literally from finishing the match to the shower, basically? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So that's the, the, the very acute period Yeah. Like and the, then phase two being um, the more of the solid-based foods, and then I guess phase three being when they're at home with the family.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and obviously it depends on the, the time of kickoff. That could be an evening game and they, they could only have those two. Uh, those two. So it, it all depends on the, the time. Yeah, very, very cool. In terms of like game day
0: or match day plus one, do you typically do or suggest anything day? Is that a little bit more of a relaxed day for them because it kind of being on plan, you know, pretty much nonstop? Uh, does that change ever so slightly if there's like congestion and fixtures when it got two, three kind of uh, matches on the bounce? Do you do anything surrounding that day? Do you see as like a
1: high priority day or is it a little bit more of a chill day for you? Yeah, so from a scheduling perspective, we will actually oftentimes be in report, like actually to training on on that day. Um, The coaches typically like to have some kind of active recovery session uh, on that day. And also the players that didn't play will also do a a pretty intense session on that day as well, Um, which which is quite helpful from an energy balance perspective um so yeah we'll oftentimes report to training uh, so we'll have a decent amount of control over their diet um again a, a repetition of those five R's really um but perhaps a greater emphasis on that rest and relax component um something that we we often encourage is going out to restaurants with their family and friends that's like indirectly using nutrition to promote recovery because, Anytime they can escape football and enjoy their favorite foods is, is, a, is a good thing. Um, watching comedy, like laughter, like resting, that's going to like support psychological recovery. Um, yeah, so we typically report to train um, and repeat those five hours from a nutrition perspective. Cool. Amazing. So...
0: Just kind of like uh, the final kind of discussion kind of topic here, just around and say body composition, because you mentioned, you know, when you started back and probably to a certain extent now, but definitely more so when you first died, you know, nutritionist role was to make a, the, the larger kind of blokes a little bit less large, you know? <laughs> um, so body composition obviously plays a huge role in any kind of um, elite kind of sport. Now, how do you kind of monitor this and, you know, do you have specific targets around that? And if there is someone a little bit higher than you'd like to be above that target, how do you typically approach that without a compromising performance on these kind of
1: key kind of overload sessions or for match? Yeah, matches? absolutely. So uh, obviously body fat is more body composition is, is an important consideration in football. And I, I think like, body fat itself is correlated negatively with various aspects of football performance both physical and technical uh, and then fat free mass is positively correlated with other elements as well so uh, optimizing or optimizing body composition is certain, certainly a, a key consideration but i often think that there's too much of an emphasis placed on on body composition it, it's often used as uh the excuse of, of some coaches are he's like overweight or he's, he's fat. That They often go to that first without kind of addressing the, the actual core problems. Um, so yeah, I think the culture, as I say, has changed, uh, from a nutritionist perspective, uh, we're, we're no longer seen as the people that are just making people a little bit skinnier. Um, I'd, in terms of like defined uh, targets, uh, I think like our targets at the club are dictated by the the, co- the coaches, and that's often like below ten percent body fat for a for an outfield player. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll report that to we'll we'll report percentages to to coaches. But as a sports science uh, or sports medicine department, uh, we'll always use uh, some of skin folds, um, and we'll also uh, it's quite unique. We we actually. Contextualized body composition as well. So we create uh, like scatter graphs uh, and plot um, body composition metrics against performance metrics. Um, so fat mass against uh, like a one k time trial, for instance, um, and then fat-free mass or lean body mass against uh, like a counter movement jump, for instance. Uh, and when you build up a, a decent data set, you can see like trends in in body composition, and that that allows players to develop a better relationship with with skin folds and body composition itself because they see uh they, they see their skin fold calipers come out and they automatically think oh you're just going to pinch me and tell me how fat i am again well if you have that like contextualized data then uh you can say well no this this is actually like improving your performance and and it's going to positively impact you as a as a player um, if you can become like faster or better aerobically or more powerful, um, then it's it's going to have a, a beneficial effect. and And you can also use that data to start generating like um, targets, like individual targets. Uh, because if you have a big enough data set on on that one player, you can say, well, you you performed best from a an aerobic run, like a one k time trial, or or a counter movement jump at this specific range of body composition. Um, and that could be, I don't know, like 45 millimeters for a sum of eight or for another individual, it could be 40 for, for another, it could be 55, 60, you know? So, um, I think that that's, uh, that's something that we've done in the, in the last five years or so just, uh, to, to ha- help really contextualize that and, and narrow it down to, uh, to an individual basis. And if you think about footballers, they are like pretty homogenous group on they? from a body composition perspective, they all look pretty much the same. Um, so uh, there are it's quite difficult to, to say specific targets.
0: No you, you answered that really well and I love the fact that when you gather enough data on a, a specific player if they've been with the club for you know a little while and you've got that large data set you can start running these kind of different analysis and starting trends and you, once you show it to them so like this is where you're trending this is where you perhaps played best or this where you run the fastest or something like that Um, you know, it's a nice conversation to be had surrounding that as well, which is absolutely cool. So just a a final question, because I appreciate we've gone through a huge amount today and uh, you delivered a huge amount of value. So absolutely incredible. Uh, But a final question to you. So if you had a player with poor eating habits, they had poor energy and was carrying a slightly too much body fat, what are the top three bits of advice you give them uh, to go away and just plug? into the yeah. own nutrition
1: program straight away good question um i think the first and foremost aside from any like m- calorie requirement or macronutrient requirement i would like touch on motivation um and like w- the desire so make sure that they actually understand and appreciate uh the impact of nutrition on their on their performance and Make sure they understand, like, if they do make these changes to their diet, make sure they understand that it's going to benefit them and and their performance long-term. Because I I think that's oftentimes oftentimes missing. Like, we talk about education, like, knowing about how much carbohydrate is in a bread roll and, and how much to consume each day. But sometimes players can't really, like, link their performance to that. Um, so I think it's really important to, to, to touch on that motivation piece first, uh, and then obviously routines So developing that, the, those basic behaviors, um, that could involve like the implementation of like meal templates or like roadmap meals, um, mapping out what a, a day looks like, uh, and getting them to kind of adhere to that. Uh, I think we kind of talked about what that might look like, um, in in the previous answer but you change that slightly obviously to to reduce the calories perhaps if they're slightly overweight um and then the environment um obviously try and work on their environment at home uh, and make sure that their environment is uh conducive to to those positive changes
0: amazing so one understand two routine three environment. i think they are Absolutely solid, really, really cool. So Matt, I want to say a huge thank you for coming on uh, today's pod. Absolutely huge amount of insight um, delivered. So really, really cool. Um, For any player or any athlete listening today, where can they find you and keep up to date with all your good work?
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, Chris, I I keep quite a low profile on social media and everything. Um, So I am on Instagram. I, I don't actually know... What well, it is it's like mlj underscore nes i think or, or something like that I, i'll type that in the description notes. don't worry okay, okay. <laughs> you'll be getting tagged <laughs> and then on on twitter as well uh matt jones nc um we're currently working on a new website uh, called food for football uh myself and uh, my friend johnny marsh so uh, that will be live soon but i do have a website that's like an antique website with uh me looking quite literally like an 18 year old on there. So it's mjnutrition.co.uk. Um, but yes, social media, Twitter is probably the best place
0: or sometimes Instagram. Cool. So I'll definitely be um, plugging and sharing everything surrounding food for food for football. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. When I uh, launch as guest released, I will be plugging that. And guys, please go and check that out. I know that'll be absolutely incredible. Um, so Matt, once again, thank you so much. A pleasure and a privilege and uh really appreciate your time today.